The Graphic Histories Podcast. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayette, and I will be your host. Thanks to Ookla the Mock for our theme song, Superpowers, and thank you, dear, gentle, precious listener, for tuning in today to yet another edition. This particular edition being episode 24 and part two of our exploratory, I don't know what a better term would be, exploratory uh, study of Kang the Conqueror. Long-standing Marvel Comics villain, time traveler, goes by many, many names, and as we established in the first episode, he's had a long history, because we only got half of it down in one episode, so in part one, we went through the first half, part two, we'll delve into the second half. I would also like to thank Sandy Crothers for being my guest last week, uh, fantastic episode, I thought, I think it turned out really well. Sandy's a really interesting guy. And believe me, if you ever have time to hang out and just have a few drinks and look at the stars with them, you will learn a lot. Because I did that a little while ago before the episode, and man, I had a good night, a lot of fun. Sandy is a really cool guy to hang out with and talk with, too. And uh, he... Uh, so that translated well into our talk, I think, and I think you got a little bit of that as well. My cat just came in to visit me. Hello, Lebowski. Hello, what are you doing? What are you doing? Lebowski's here. He's my new guest. Special guest star, my cat, Lebowski. Um, but moving along, a few news dropping into the Marvel Comics world and its film kind of world that uh, Jamie Foxx is in contract negotiations to return in Spider-Man 3. Also, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are also in talks. Apparently, Dale DeHaan is also in discussion. He played the Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Very interesting news, considering all of those characters were parts of kind of bygone continuities in old Spider-Man movies that have been put aside. Um, it seems as though they're edging into a, a multiverse, a Spider-Verse of some kind, in which we will see various versions of these characters pop up in the regular Spider-Man movie, which is very interesting. I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with it. I know WandaVision is coming out soon on Disney+, Plus, which is supposed to kind of open up some concepts about other worlds and other realities and uh, and all that stuff. So I'll be very excited to see what Marvel's going to do with it. Apparently the new Spider-Man movie will begin filming in New York next week, which I think is interesting considering all the movies have been pushed back for quite a long time. They've just pushed back the Dune movie to the end of next year and Wonder Woman and all those other ones kind of get pushed back to next year as well. So if they're starting to film, I guess they're getting their irons in the fire and hoping that the world will be back to normal by the time it's ready. And I hope so too, because I really want to see that movie. I think it'll be really cool. I'm also waiting for Black Widow and all the other Marvel movies that uh, that are kind of sidelined due to COVID-19. Speaking of COVID-19, uh, not to make things political in the show, but uh, there's been some interesting developments going on in that world with, with Donald Trump, with the American election, with the debates and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I once uh, 
somebody, I think it was Saturday Night Live, when uh, Jim Carrey played Joe Biden in their season opener this past Saturday, where, where he does this whole impassioned speech saying how he believes in science and he believes in karma, and if only there was some way to marry the two together to show just how serious this virus is while taking a very long pause break to stare at Alec Baldwin playing Donald Trump, which I thought was particularly humorous and uh, very apt for what's going on in the world right now. So uh, whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, I think it's important that we understand that that we need to really pay attention to this thing and do our part to keep others safe and ourselves. That being said, uh, we should get into this episode because it is a long one once again. So we're going into the second part of Kang the Conqueror. Some years later, the Magus, the evil persona of Adam Warlock, was orchestrating a complex conspiracy to obtain the Infinity Gauntlet and rule the universe, collecting a number of cosmic cubes and constructing a massive fortress in another dimension. On Earth, Doctor Doom detected this colossal energy and the power it was drawing from Earth. Unaware of its source and seeking to obtain this power for himself, but needing an ally, Doom contacted Kang in the future. Both men agreed to work with each other while secretly plotting betrayal when they reached their prize. Following the power to its receiving source on Earth, the two prepared a ship and headed off to find it. Finding the location of the energy source moments before the arrival of Galactus, his herald Nova, the Silver Surfer, and the Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange, who were also seeking to locate the source of the energy as Galactus tied it to the sudden incapacitation of the cosmic entity, Eternity. Seeing their arrival, Doom and Kang cloaked themselves from view, following the group into a portal they opened to journey to the origin of the disturbance. Detecting the approach of Galactus, the Magus attacked from afar, destroying the World Devourer's ship. Doom and Kang were able to slip past the wreckage and continue on the trail. Detecting that Warlock, his group the Infinity Watch, and the Mad Titan Thanos was following after them, they were more than pleased when a group of heroes, also trying to track the source of the energy, appeared and began battling with the Watch. The two eventually made it through the other side of the Dimensional Gate and materialized in front of the Magus' citadel. Sneaking inside, the pair found the power source and rigged explosives on the cubes in the event they might lose their battle with its owner to ensure that nobody could claim it if they failed. By the time they secretly reached the control room, they found that the Magnus had captured Adam Warlock and the Infinity Gauntlet. At that very moment, Galactus was petitioning the Living Tribunal to restore the power to the Infinity Gauntlet as the Magus had planned all along. The evil duo then attacked their foe, but Magus was too strong for Kang, who was easily killed with a gauntlet blast. Adam Warlock and his allies eventually stopped the threat. As with previous instances, Kang's apparent demise did not prove to be permanent here, as his mind was transferred into a new body in his own era. By now, Kang's empire spanned some six centuries, with the domain of Chronopolis touching various points in time. He also formed as anachronauts, warriors gathered from various eras to be his elite soldiers. However, further expansion into the multiverse was deadlocked between other opposing time controllers, including the ancient creature Elioth, the Time Variance Authority, the Congress of Realities, Revelation, a future version of Ravona and the Diloboric Consortium. When the Vision discovered that parts of his body were created by Timely Institutes in the year 1939, he went to Timely, Wisconsin to investigate and was subsequently captured by Kang. Weeks later, when Captain America went to look for him, Kang had him banished to the year 2700 B.C., Meanwhile, long since having escaped the time bubble, 
Kang Nebula, revealing herself to be Kang's long-lost love, Ravona, attempted to obtain the help of Dr. Druid to assist her in stopping Nathaniel, while our subject traveled back in time to seek out an alliance with Prester John in the realm of the Avalon sometime in the 10th century. When John refused to join Kang, the time traveler banished Prester John to the year 911 AD, hoping that John would change history by preventing an alliance between King John, the Simple, and the Viking leader, Rollo Herolfsson. Eventually, Ravona, now dubbed the Temptress, convinced Dr. Druid and the Fantastic Four to assist her in stopping Kang. Using the Fantastic Four's time machine, they traveled to Chronopolis. There, they also ran into the Avengers who were searching for their missing teammates. This led to a battle between the two groups when the Avengers presumed that Ravona was once more manipulating heroes to her own ends. As the two teams clashed, Ravona managed to slip away and Kang unleashed his anachronauts upon the champions. The FF and the Avengers were easily overpowered and imprisoned in Kang's Citadel, where he revealed his current plans for invading the modern era. Disclosing that he was behind Timely Industries and had components in almost every technological device made over the last 100 years, it would use this to pave the way to victory. The Temptress appeared, killing her former love, only to discover he too was the Divergent Richards. When the true Kang appeared, he proved impressed by the newly vengeful incarnation of Ravona, challenging her to a battle. If Kang won, Ravona would stay in Chronopolis and become one of his anachronauts. If she won, she would win the right to kill him. During the course of the battle, the heroes broke free from their prison and began to fight the anachronauts, with Thor attempting to toss his hammer through the barrier that protected the two combatants. The hammer was too strong and pierced the field. Seeing that it was about to strike Ravona, Kang pushed her out of the way and took the blunt of the blow, severely crippling him and leaving Kang on the brink of death. Realizing the irony of the situation, Ravona vowed to restore Kang to full health, if for nothing more than to finally get her revenge and kill him herself. Carrying Nathaniel away, Ravona allowed the heroes to leave. Now calling herself the Terminatrix, Ravona put Kang in stasis, and in order to keep his empire together and safe from the Council of Cross-Time Kangs, she began posing as Kang, the only beings aware of her deception being the Anachronauts. She also began investigating eras earlier in time and discovered the temporal creature known as Alioth, who ruled those eras and threatened to consume Kang's empire as well. Later, Ravona's future self, Revelation, summoned three Avengers, Thunderstrike, War Machine, and the U.S. Agent, to stop the Terminatrix from reviving Kang. In retaliation, the Terminatrix summoned Avengers of her own, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. While the two teams of Avengers were manipulated into fighting one another, the Terminatrix was lured to the year 9999 A.D. by Revelation. While Kang remained in stasis, his body was visited by some of the Timekeepers, who feared that without the revival of Kang, the multiverse would suffer a chronosynclastic entropy event, when Alioth finally invaded Chronopolis. Relatively in the year 9999, Revelation convinced Terminatrix that she actually sought to assist her in defeating Alioth, and provided her with advanced medicine from her point in time to cure Kang of his injuries. However, before the Terminatrix could return to Chronopolis, Alioth attacked. As the Avengers battled the monster, the Terminatrix appeared and used the device given to her by Revelation, successfully restoring Kang to full health. Kang, Terminatrix, and Revelation then recovered the Avengers as Alioth absorbed the Council of Crosstime Kangs, killing them all. Equipping the Avengers with devices to protect them from the Chronal Beast, the Conqueror revealed a weapon he created to destroy his enemy, the Chronal Key. When they attacked Alioth in the Council Chambers, the Chronal Key transformed into Tempest, a chronal being that absorbed the latent chronal energy from the dead bodies of the cross-time Kangs, and was able to affect Alioth, creating a time barrier preventing the beast from becoming a threat to Chronopolis. Angry at the loss of lives, the Avengers tried to confront Kang, but he quickly banished them from his realm. 
Then, when it appeared that he and Ravona would finally reconcile their differences, she stabbed him in the back, intending to revive him so that they would be considered equals in an attempt to deviate herself from the possible future where she would become revelation. Kang has later stated that he intentionally orchestrated the release of Alioth in order to eliminate the Council of Cross-Time Kangs and rule over his empire alone without their interference. Eventually, Ravona did restore Kang, and their old animosities came to an end. They returned to the 41st century to rule together, however, Kang soon quickly grew bored with his position, which was becoming more and more bureaucratic. By the time he reached age 60, Kang had grown weary of the crown and craved a more simpler time. Kang then decided to leave his empire under the command of Ravona and resume his guise of Rama Tut, returning to ancient Egypt. During this time, as Rama Tut, the former Kang assisted the Avengers and Amortis in stopping his past self from taking the mantis, after which he returned to the time stream to find a new direction in life. Thanks to events occurring at the end of time, Rama Tut diverged into two distinct individuals. One saw his mortality and decided to travel to Limbo, where he eventually became Immortus. The other looked into the time stream and saw how Immortus was basically a slave to the timekeepers and grew frustrated. Finding a new fire inside him, Rama Tut denounced his future self and his indentured life to the timekeepers. Tut returned to the 41st century and resumed his position of Kang the Conqueror with a newfound zeal. His first order of duty was to eliminate all rival time travelers from the playing field. He unleashed Alioth upon the TVA and the Deliboric Consortium upon revelation. Deciding that only way to truly relish his conquest was to no longer rely on an easy way out and destroy the device that would transmit his mind into a new body upon his physical death. Kang then began studying Immortus and his masters, the Timekeepers, in order to learn how to avoid this eventual fate. He learned that the Timekeepers were created at the so-called End of Time on Earth 794282 by the final TVA agent known as He Who Remains. Through these observations, he learned that the Timekeepers had attempted to ensure that the universe ended with them and considered the Earth its gravest threat. During his investigations, he made allies with the Kree Supreme Intelligence and the modern-era reformed criminal Libra. Together, they learned that the Time Creepers and Immortus were attempting to alter the course of human destiny by killing longtime Avengers associate Rick Jones, as he contained the power of the Destiny Force. At this point in the modern era, Rick Jones was seemingly dying as a result of the energies of the Destiny Force. Knowing that the Supreme Intelligence had previously controlled the Destiny Force in Rick and brought him to the blue area of Earth's moon where the Intelligence was being held prisoner by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After Rick was left with the Supreme Intelligence for observation, he more to sent his agent Tempest to eliminate the young man. However, Kang arrived just in time and began holding off armies of soldiers plucked from various periods in history by his future self. During the fight, Rick awoke and with help from the Supreme Intelligence was able to channel the Destiny Force and summon a group of Avengers from different points in history, which included Captain America, Yellow Jacket, the Wasp, Goliath, Hawkeye from Earth-616 as well as Captain Marvel, and Songbird from one possible future to help Kang. With the help of the Avengers and Rick's Destiny Force, Kang was able to fight off the troops summoned by Immortus. With the immediate trouble gone, Kang sent the Avengers off with Libra to seek safety while he returned to Chronopolis to prepare to wage war against his future self. However, when Kang returned to his domain, Immortus immediately launched an attack against him. Chronopolis was decimated, with the majority of the Anachronauts, including the Terminatrix, slain by a time-twisting explosion. It soon became apparent that Immortus was seeking the heart of Forever, a powerful energy source that made it possible to change history without creating divergent realities. The Avengers soon arrived to lend a hand, but Kang ushered them off in his time machine, ordering them to remain out of the time stream so that Immortus could not follow them. As this was happening, Immortus gained access to the heart and used it to collapse Chronopolis, 
its entire population and all its chronal energies into the powerful forever crystal. Immortus then went about pruning various realities to ensure that humanity does not follow the destiny that put them at risk of being destroyed by the timekeepers, while the Avengers tried their best to oppose him. Meanwhile, Kang had survived the destruction of Chronopolis, escaping into a hideout hidden in the realm known as Purgatory, where he reflected on his past life up to that point before he was contacted by Rick Jones and the Supreme Intelligence. The two informed Nathaniel that the Avengers were captured and that the timekeepers were preparing to make their final gambit. They found the Avengers being placed on a mock trial by the timekeepers in the 26th century of Earth 9812, where the Avengers have become an intergalactic empire, the future which the timekeepers were seeking to avoid. With the help of Rick's Destiny Force, Kang and the Avengers were able to break through the Timekeepers' force fields, but they and Immortus fled to the end of time on Earth 794282 to use the Forever Crystal in a Chrono Cannon to wipe out all timelines that would create a future like Earth 9812. There, Immortus refused to hand over the crystal and was seemingly slain. The Timekeepers unleashed an army of evil Avengers from alternate realities. When Kang fought back against his enemies, they attempted to speed up Kang's destiny and force him to transform into Immortus. The Avengers, joined by Rick Jones of Earth 98120, who is bonded to his heiress Captain Marvel, summoned heroic Avengers from other eras to help in battle. Through sheer sense of will, Kang managed to fight off the Timekeeper's attempts to force his evolution. In the end, the Avengers triumphed, destroying the Chrono Cannon, and Kang executed the Timekeeper's in retaliation. However, before he could get a hold of the Forever Crystal, Captain America smashed it. Kang was also in for another shock when he found Immortus, now a separate entity from him, alive and well. When it was deduced that Kang's destiny was no longer tied to that of Immortus, the Conqueror realized that he had achieved the greatest victory of all, and teleported away. The Avengers were also returned to their respective eras. Now with a free destiny, Kang began focusing again his desire to conquer the modern era. To this end, he manipulated the hero Captain Britain into accepting the role of King of Otherworld, removing him from the playing field when it came time for a potential invasion. Returning to his empire, Kang then spent the next few decades preparing his armies and ensuring only the most perfect specimens were selected. Additionally, he organized a harem of genetically ideal women and began copulating with them. Each child from these unions he named Marcus and began training them to be the ideal warrior. With each failure, he killed his offspring and sealed them in a private chamber aboard his massive space station, the Damocles. His last attempt produced Marcus 23. Marcus Kang proved to be success and was trained in the art of combat, war, and strategy from his father. When the boy reached adulthood, Kang gifted him with his old identity of the Scarlet Centurion. They then began monitoring the Avengers in the modern age so that Marcus could learn his foes. His father taught him to pay particular attention to Captain America. At this time, the Avengers were at their highest level in a completely global force that was trying to strike at their various foes first before they could terrorize the free world. Kang, the Centurion, then began observing the Avengers' battle with the presence in Russia and their battle with Hulk-like creatures created by Jonathan Tremont of the Triune Understanding before deciding it was time to launch their attack. Arriving in the modern era, Kang coached his son on how to battle before sending him to make a declaration of war to the United Nations in New York City. When Marcus arrived, he clashed with the Avengers and found himself instantly smitten by their member, Warbird. When the Avengers refused to stand down, Kang appeared and decided to give them a show of power. He had his Damocles base fire a powerful blast and destroy the United Nations building, but used force fields to save those inside. Kang then issued an ultimatum to the Avengers and gathered government officials, surrender or face immediate invasion. The Conqueror then warned those gathered that there were many dangers ahead in the future, showing them glimpses of all the possible realities of the many alternate Earths, warning that if they did not side with him, humanity would die in any one of these possible futures. Kang also outlined his destiny for mankind in this era, 
turning them into a massive army to conquer the entire universe. Unknown to those gathered, the Conqueror also broadcasts a speech to every television, computer, and radio in the world in order to cause panic and chaos across the globe and bring out would-be allies in the conflict ahead. His speech prompted the Atlantean barbarians under the rule of Atuma to attack Rollo Bay, Prince Edward Island, the renegade deviants to attack Huawei, China. Despite all this, a representative from the United Nations denied the chance to surrender, telling Kang that the people of Earth would fight. Kang advised them that he would be attacking soon, targeting France first before departing, warning them that if they attacked his base directly instead of fighting off the invasion, he would react harshly. Kang and Marcus then returned to the Damocles to prepare for war, observing the Avengers' battles with the Presence, Atuma, and his hordes, the Rogue Deviants, the terrorist organization known as AIM, the Wizard, and other threats. Meanwhile, Kang sent a son to gather those who pledged loyalty to his cause. Among the first crop was the villain known as Whirlwind, whose demands for star treatment only angered Kang, prompting him to teleport the supervillain back to Earth to warn others not to make such bold demands in the future. While on Earth, the Avengers began liquidating their threats, but the United States government was pressuring them to deal with Kang. Nathaniel also spent his time observing the reformation of the Thunderbolts and their battle with Graviton and considered them a possible threat to his plans. Getting ready to strike, Kang then ordered his son Marcus to begin mobilizing his ground troops for an assault. Meanwhile, on Earth, the Avengers were dedicating themselves to defending France. However, the United States government was only giving them 96 hours before they launched a fleet of Sentinel robots to deal with Kang. A decision that Captain America thought was a bad one, but accepted. Things became more complicated when the so-called Master of the World made his own bid to take over Earth, erecting massive defense perimeters around every major city in the world. Kang eventually launched his ground attack on France and began preparing for the next salvo. Meanwhile, the Avengers broke into three teams, one to defend France, another to deal with the Master, and a third group led by Captain America to try and take down the Damocles base. Marcus later went to Earth and assisted Warbird in taking down the Master, despite her reservations with him leading to the first in a series of small betrayals against his father. When the Avengers later attacked the Damocles base, Marcus intentionally allowed them to break through the force field that protected it, unaware that his father was standing over him. Kang chose to hide his knowledge from his son and instead focused on battling the Avengers. At that moment, the United States government then launched their sentinels at Kang's orbital base. Nathaniel appeared in a massive holographic image and took control of the sentinels since they were comprised of parts built by Tynley Industries, using them to destroy the Avengers' ship leaving them floating in space and turning his new army of sentinels on Earth. Kang's retaliation was swift. He launched a massive attack on Washington, D.C., decimating the entire capital despite the mighty Thor's attempts to try and stop him, leaving the city destroyed and millions of people dead. Soon the U.S. officially surrendered and Kang insisted that the Avengers' de facto leader, the Wasp, be the first to sign the Declaration of Surrender. Meanwhile, the Avengers trapped in space were rescued by Quasar and the Living Lightning. Before returning to Earth, they had to stop Jonathan Tremont from taking control of a massive alien prayer ship with the help of their teammate Triathlon. After their victory, they soon learned that Kang had taken the Earth. Richard soon had nearly the entire world in his hands, but there were still pockets of resistance and had them captured and placed in camps. In one such area, the Scarlet Witch helped Wonder Man escape so that he could join the other Avengers, still free and fighting Kang, using her hex powers to make it appear that Wonder Man died when Kang ordered him executed for a failed escape attempt. Kang then focused his efforts on the last of the resistance, but they began retaliating, forcing Kang and his forces to retreat back to the Damocles. The base was suddenly approached by the Triune ship. When Kang used his holographic projection to attack the ship, he was shocked to see that the Triune craft was able to replicate the technology and do the same with Captain America. However, Captain America proved the superior fighter, and Kang was forced to retreat. The Avengers, with the unlikely aid of Jonathan Tremont, managed to piece the force field around the Damocles and Warbird, then compromise the energy core. 
With the ship starting to explode, Kang ordered a full retreat and forced Marcus into a escape pod, sending him back to the 40th century, telling his son to let him die in battle and begin his own destiny before the Damocles fell to Earth. The remains of the ship crash landed in the town of Gathersburg, Maryland, and miraculously Kang survived the crash, but his armor was severely damaged. The Avengers arrived soon, and Kang challenged Captain America to a one-on-one -on -one battle. This was a battle that the Conqueror ultimately lost, and he was finally taken prisoner. Soon the Warlord's empire was dismantled, and the Earth began to repair the damage. Kang, meanwhile, found himself locked in a secluded prison in Montana. There he was rescued by his son Marcus, despite his protests to be left behind. Nathaniel eventually relented and returned to his ship. There, Kang revealed that he knew of his son's betrayals and revealed the truth of his birth. Kang then expressed his disappointment that his son would not only betray him, but deny his wish to die in combat, or at least by execution from his enemies and become a legend. Deeming his son as such a failure as all the versions before him, Kang fatally stabbed him. When his computer asked if Kang wished to reawaken the next Marcus, he delayed the order, allowing himself a moment of grief, now having officially lost everything. Kang later traveled into the past, saving his teenage self from bullies in the hopes of helping the young Nathaniel Richards achieve his destiny, as Kang the Conqueror sooner. Showing the boy his destiny, Kang also equipped him with a neurokinetic, which had proved to be a mistake. Unwilling to become a villain, the young Nathaniel Richards fought back against Kang and then escaped into the time stream and ended up in the modern era. Learning that the Avengers had disbanded, he uncovered a secret protocol within the remains of the Vision and used it to form a group of young heroes who eventually came to be called the Young Avengers calling himself Iron Lad. With the formation of the group, former Avengers Iron Man and Captain America attempted to convince the youths to disband. During their discussions at the ruins of Avengers Mansion, they were attacked by one of Kang's growing men. Upon the Construct's defeat, it signaled Iron Lad's location to Kang. Kang clashed with Iron Man, Captain America, and former Private Eye Jessica Jones, and the Young Avengers. He warned them that if Iron Lad did not return to his own time and follow his destiny to become Kang, history would be irreparably changed in catastrophic ways. The Conqueror's appearance in the modern age alongside his younger self caused this change in history to accelerate. While the young Avengers geared to fight Iron Lad's future self, the Avengers saw firsthand the changes that were being made and resolved to try and help Kang restore the natural order. When the young Avengers fought back and they were easily trounced by Kang, who turned Iron Lad's own armor against his teammates, Kang then opened a time portal to bring Iron Lad back to his own era, but was knocked in by Iron Lad's teammate's stature, sealing it. The Warlord returned momentarily and threatened to kill Captain America, the Young Avengers fought back even harder than before. The ranks increased when Iron Lad converted his armor into a new incarnation of the Vision. While Kang was distracted, Nathaniel managed to sneak up behind him and fatally stab his future self through the chest with a sword, killing him instantly. With the future rapidly changing and members of the Young Avengers being wiped from existence, Iron Lad realized the futility in his staying in the present and willingly returned to the future to follow his destiny and become Kang the Conqueror. This caused reality to return to the status quo, restoring Kang to life. When Adam Warlock became the Magus once again in order to stop the fall to hole in time and space, it ensured that the future of Earth 7528, where the Magus and his Universal Church of Truth ruled the universe, was the dominant future. This caused the destruction of many possible timelines, the lone survivors being each reality's version of Starhawk. Kang was warned of this impending doom from a surviving timekeeper before being frozen in limbo. Kang sought refuge in limbo and gathered the army of Starhawks. Witnessing members of the Guardians of the Galaxy trapped in the year 3009 of Earth 7528, Kang and Starhawks rescued them. Having had their ages changed due to the fall, Kang restored them to their proper ages and informed the group of the dangers to history. He offered them one solution, kill Warlock. He then gave the Guardians leader, Star-Lord, a cosmic cube to help him do the job. Despite the team's reservations, Kang transported them back in time to moments before Adam Warlock turned into the Magus to end his life. 
Star-Lord eventually succeeded in slaying the Magus, but not before many of his teammates and allies were killed. However, with the Magus now dead, reality resumed its proper course. Kang soon became aware of the possible future of Earth when 10,071, where the robot Ultron slew that reality's Avengers, paving the way for domination of Kang's own era. To stop this, Kang gathered an army of heroes to destroy Ultron, but failed. In retaliation, Kang went back and gathered more and more superheroes and failed over 20 times. His constant time travels caused too much of a strain on, on time itself, and it shattered, causing chaos across the time stream. Different eras began to bleed into each other, while causing the battle between Ultron and Earth-10071 to continue in a perpetual loop. This prompted his future self, Immortus, to pose his Kang once more, and convince the next Avengers to allow himself to travel back in time to recruit the Avengers of the modern era to fix the fracture in time. The Avengers eventually traveled to Earth-10071 and learned of the situation and agreed to deal with Ultron. They went back in time prior to the battle with Ultron and convinced the robot to lose the battle, pointing out that in fighting Kang would lead to the damage done to the time stream and that Ultron would be destroyed as well. Ultron agreed, and when the time for the battle came, Kang and his forces easily destroyed him. With such a quick victory, Kang returned his warriors to the proper points of history. Disappointed with the lack of challenge, Kang returned to his own time to continue searching for suitable conquest. With the defeat of Ultron, reality diverged to a new future of Earth-10943, and the damage to the time stream was repaired. With the birth of the Apocalypse Twins, Kang began to see them as a threat to his future time and began orchestrating a means to not only eliminate the threat of mutants to his future time, but also to gain mastery of all time and ensure that his rule reigned unopposed. To this end, Kang kidnapped the twins, Uriel and Ayman, just moments before their birth, taking them to the future to raise them. He then traveled back to the year 1013 AD and took on his Ramatut guys, manipulating the mutant apocalypse, convincing him that he was destined to rule the world by feeding him half-truths about the coming future. Through his gained trust, he tricked Apocalypse into fighting a young Thor in Scandinavia, knowing that the armor given to Apocalypse by the Celestials would be immune to Thor's axe, Jarnborin. Seeing that he was losing the fight, Thor fled back to Asgard to petition his father Odin to give him the power to defeat Apocalypse. As expected, Odin turned down his request due to the oath Earth's pantheon gods made to not interfere in the work of the Celestials. Posing as Thor's brother Loki, Kang used Thor's anger to trick him into working together to find a solution to stop Apocalypse. Kang then uncovered a spell hidden in Odin's library that could give Jaborn the power to destroy celestial armor. The Conqueror resumed his Ramatut guise and tricked Apocalypse into going after Folkburn Logan, a soldier in England who was an ancestor of the modern-day hero Wolverine. When Apocalypse and his horsemen attacked England to slay Logan, Thor arrived and battled him, slaying these horsemen and gravely wounding Apocalypse, although Apocalypse teleported away and lived on for centuries thereafter. When Thor returned to Asgard to celebrate, he was berated by Odin, who warned that his actions that day would one day have grave repercussions on the world. With the first part of his scheme complete, Kang returned to the modern era, where he recovered Jarborn from Brazil, where it was embedded in the body of a deceased sorcerer, Baron Mordo, in a Brazilian tomb. Kang then began raising the Apocalypse Twins in the year 4145, teaching them that mutants and humans could never live in harmony together, and that the twins would grow up to oppose Kang himself, meeting defeat. To show that them how the fight for supremacy was lost cause for the twins, Kang forced them to live out years of their lives in mutant concentration camps run by the Red Skull on Earth-13044. There they were forced to live in a camp run by the cyborg gnome as Ahab. When Uriel and Ayman attempted to escape, Kang watched over them gloating and allowed them to be captured by Ahab and his hounds. When their jailer caught them, Kang stood back and watched as Uriel was forced to blind his sister by cutting her eyes out with his wings. 
Convinced that they had learned enough about human cruelty, Kang took the now teenage Apocalypse Twins back to his future, a 4145, to continue their training. He sent them on a mission to Earth 26111 to slay Colonel America. This instead led to a battle with the Morlocks, and Ariel and Iman were forced to slay their leaders, Havoc and Rogue. After their failure, he brought them back to his own time and showed them his trophy room, including Jorin. However, before Kang could continue his conditioning of the Apocalypse Twins, they stole Germborn and returned to the modern era of Earth-616. Using the weapon, they slew the Celestial known as Ereshem the Judge, just as it was summoned by the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. They then started a campaign to create a mutant rapture, to move the mutant population to a new world before the Celestial sought retribution. This plot was opposed by the Avengers Unity Division. Ultimately, the Apocalypse Twins succeeded in manipulating the Scarlet Witch into succeeding in their plan, and the Earth was destroyed by Exitar the Executioner. In order to prevent Kang or any other time travelers from going back in time and stopping them, the twins also constructed a Tachyon Dam that protected the entire timeline. It was by this point that Kang's latest incarnation of Marcus realized that the Apocalypse Twins escaped and attempted to warn his father. However, Kang was already being told what the Apocalypse Twins were up to thanks to holographic recordings that were rigged to go off just as Kang's timeline was beginning to be erased. Nathaniel began gathering other beings from futures that were being wiped out thanks to the work of the Apocalypse Twins, forming the Kronos Corpse, which consisted of Strife of Earth 4935, Venom of Earth 9997, Doctor Doom of Earth 6375, Iron Man of Earth 8410, Magistrate Braddock of Earth 12928, Ahab of Earth 13044, and the Abomination Deathlock of Earth 11045. However, he and his forces weren't able to effect changes in the present day thanks to the Tachyon Dam. But a decade later, the mutants had established themselves on a new world called Planet X. By this time, both Havoc and the Wasp had gotten married and had a human child named Katie. In order to create a safer world for their daughter, Alex and Janet managed to destroy the Tachyon Dam that existed in their era, allowing Kang and his Kronos Corps to breach the point in history, which enabled them to also recruit Thor to their cause. Kang came up with a plan to send the minds of the surviving members of the Avengers Unity team into their past bodies and prevent the destruction of Earth. When Havoc protested due to concerns he had over the fate of his daughter, who could be erased from history by such a move, Kang teleported her away into the time stream in order to force his and the Wasp's support. Attempting to free the captured Wolverine and Sunfire, Kang and his minions clashed with the X-Council and X-Force, as well as the Apocalypse Twins' minions Banshee and Dakin. Succeeding in their task with the help of Magistrate Elizabeth, Kang managed to send the minds of Thor, Wolverine, Havoc, the Wasp, and Sunfire back in time to the moments leading up to the destruction of Earth. The heroes travel into the past and, with the help of Rogue and Sentry, managed to keep Exitar at bay while they recovered Jorborn from the Apocalypse Twins. As Thor wounded Exitar, the other members of the Unity team destroyed the Tachyon Dam, allowing Kang and his forces to arrive in that era. This was the final culmination of Kang's schemes, and he had his Abomination Deathlog push Thor into the cosmic energies, spewing from the wounded Celestial. Kang then began attempting to absorb the cosmic energy, hoping to attain godhood and conquer all of time. The Avengers clashed with Kang's Kronos Corpse and were assisted by the arrival of Immortus and his Infinity Watch, while Havoc and Sunfire attempted to prevent Kang from absorbing more energy from the Celestial. While Sunfire defeated the Apocalypse Twins, Havoc overpowered Kang and severed him from the Celestial Energies. Defeated, Kang fled into the time stream, taking his Kronos Corpse with him. However, he left Ahab behind to find the Red Skull and ensure that the future of Earth-13044 came to pass. Because Exitar was prevented from destroying the Earth and the Apocalypse Twins were defeated before they could complete their rapture, reality continued on its normal course, although the planet X reality endured in a divergent reality designated Earth-13133. Kang eventually ended up working with two of his alternate selves, Immortus and Iron Lad, at a point in time and space called the End of the Road, 
to await the arrival of the last Avenger. This came in the form of Captain America, who was being hurled through time thanks to the damaged Time Infinity Gem. He was rescued from the fractured time stream by Iron Lad after surviving an experience some 51,028 years in the future. Iron Lad then brought Cap before Kang and Immortus. When the Time Gem reappeared, the three travelers trapped it in a bottle of no time to prevent it from functioning and sending Cap through time yet again. They explained to Cap that the current crisis threatening to destroy the multiverse was destined to fail, and if they allowed Cap to continue going forward, Iron Lad's future selves having already lived this moment. However, Cap refused to stand back and do nothing when lives were in danger and broke the time gem free, and was transported back to his own era before the three incarnations of Kang could stop him. After Attilian, the city of the Inhumans was destroyed by Black Bolt during his fight with Thanos, the Inhumans that were scattered were found except for Black Bolt's son, Ahura. Kang had teleported him to his fortress and took him under his wing. When Black Bolt eventually found Ahura, he submitted him to the Terragenesis process and made a deal with Kang. Kang would take Ahura to safety into the time stream in order to save him from the death of the universe brought about by the incursions. Kang accepted, but with the condition that even if the multiverse was restored, Ahura would be his forever. When the universe was restored, Black Bolt reneged on his deal with Kang and decided to get his son back. With the help of Reader, Black Bolt traveled back 13,000 years into the past, where Kang would leave Ahura in the care of Randak and Atelian to accommodate him into Terragenesis, and then retrieve him sometime later. However, Kang caught on to Black Bolt's betrayal and forced him to retreat. To get revenge on the Inhuman King for his betrayal, Kang proceeded to train Ahura over the next few decades, taking him to ancient cities across humanity's history and having Ahura conquer them. In doing so, Kang made sure that Ahura would kill the ancestors of the Inhuman royal family in order to erase them from history. After doing Kang's work for a lifetime, Ahura eventually became an old man and realized what Kang had made him do. So he retaliated by killing Kang and taking up his mantle. The elderly Ahura would travel back in time to the origins of inhumanity and waited for his parents to arrive to kill them for allowing this to happen to him, but would die in battle against Black Bolt. Kang's death would be reversed, though, when the Inhumans decided to rescue the untainted Ahura from his fate by traveling back in time 13,000 years ago to the point Kang delivered Ahura to Randak. After Kang left, the Inhumans arrived to Atelian and re to retrieve him. Ahura didn't believe that what his fellow Inhumans said and remained loyal to Kang until he was shown what he would be manipulated to do and how that future would have played out. Kang subsequently returned to the scene with an army consistent of soldiers from different periods of time in order to retrieve Ahura. After being captured, the child manifested his inhuman ability to create psychic projections of himself to possess Kang and force him to leave and fix the damage he had done to the Inhumans' history, and never attempt to harm his people again. With a very long history of altering the time stream, it can be assured that Kang the Conqueror will return in one way or another. And there we have the completed full history of Kang the Conqueror. Whew. Those long ones can sure take a lot out of you. A lot out of you. It's a lot. No, it's different when you're reading like uh, from a script as opposed to talking to somebody, which I really enjoy the interview portions of these episodes. And uh, yeah, I hope to be doing more of them in the future. So for sure. But thank you for listening and uh, tuning in this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week where we hit our 25th episode which is a silver episode silver anniversary i guess so i'll give myself something silver <laughs> uh however uh in saying that i'm going to do a episode on the black manta aquaman villain who is featured in the recent aquaman 
film and who's been a long-standing villain uh, to Arthur Curry over the years. So next week, we'll be diving into the history of Aquaman. Tune in then, and thank you for tuning in today. My name is Andre Mide, and it's been a real pleasure.